Welcome, Wayne. So good to see you again. Um, I was wondering if you'd tell me, get me up to speed with what's happening at Tyrion. Sure. So uh, Tyrion, for those people who don't know about it, we are building a proof engine that allows you to verify the integrity of any data, file, or business process. Uh, we launched back in 2015. Um, we have several thousand customers come on board doing all kinds of interesting things from being able to uh, verify the integrity of data collected from clinical trials, create an audit trail for a business process, uh, and even um, validate the uh, cash and inventory transactions uh, for a cannabis business. So things that we would we would have never have yeah. uh, have anticipated. Yeah. So it's it's great to see uh, Chainpoint, the technology we've created, take off in a, sort of a mainstream way where it's being applied to uh, uh, real businesses, as opposed to science projects. That's fabulous. Good on you. Um, what do you see personally as the main issues around trying to scale the blockchain? Hmm. I think people have still have the wrong idea about blockchain, what blockchains are and what blockchains do. Mm -hmm. So um, the original blockchain uh, was the Bitcoin blockchain. And the reason that Bitcoin has a blockchain is because it has proof of work as a consensus mechanism, as a way to be able to get all of the computers on the Bitcoin network to agree to a new set of transactions to be added to the network. And so, um, so Bitcoin has proof of work because it needs to be censorship resistant and, uh, and have other properties that make it difficult to, to, to shut down. Now, those kinds of properties don't apply in a business context most often. So the word blockchain has taken on a bit of a different meaning. Now, if you go back to the early and mid-90s when I, when I first got started, um, there was the internet, intranets inside your company, yes. and extranets, which were a way to connect with your suppliers and other companies. Yes. Um, and I see blockchain being used as a term around building like extranets that use cryptography to help identify people who are on your network to be able to uh, validate all the transactions or all the data being sent across that. Okay. And it's even interesting. Um, IBM had a, uh, a product back in the mid-90s called um, WebSphere. And the playbook that they had with WebSphere looks to me similar to the playbook that they have with Hyperledger Fabric. So I feel like blockchain is a word for recycled ideas with some new updated technology uh, in our modern era. That's a lovely, clear explanation. Thank you for that. Um, and what would you see uh, at the moment, uh, because obviously everything's in process still, um, would be the workarounds or solutions that um, could help um, the blockchain be more viable? Well, as with most things in life, there aren't really solutions. There's always trade-offs. Okay. So if you have a trusted network of partners and you want to be able to notarize your fish, yeah you know, for like a fish supply chain, yeah. then uh, you can use a blockchain platform uh, to do so. If you want to be able to create a world computer, which was Ethereum's original vision, the idea that you're going to get every computer that's part of this network to be able to maintain the entire record of every interaction or state change within that system is, um, it's just impossible. Mm -hmm. And so, they have a solution called sharding, which is a way of breaking up the network into a series of smaller networks wow. and having cryptography be able to verify and validate the, the, the state of different parts of that network. That's an oversimplified explanation of that. Okay. So I think what you're going to see is that um, 
people are just going to use the technology for the business case that is appropriate for them. Yeah. The word blockchain is not going to die, uh, not for a while. Um, but it'll be applied to many varying use cases that really don't have much to do with each other. And I think different solutions will make different just computer science trade-offs or different design trade-offs in order to achieve whatever goals they're trying to, to set out. So there's no real solutions. There's just people specializing based on the use case for the users of their network. It's interesting being at the beginning of things, isn't it? Because um, obviously the, the term blockchain has been bandied around and um, crypto currency's been bandied around and then all of a sudden you hear oh no you're not meant to say cryptocurrency or crypto anymore so it, it's sort of like it, being in the the whole start of something where things are changing so rapidly that um, it's hard to keep up so really helpful um, thank you so much for those very clear um, details thank you you're welcome thanks for having me on I appreciate it Welcome, Christian. So good to see you again. Tell me a little bit about what you guys are doing at Blockstar. Sure. Blockstar, we're taking brands and helping them to connect with newer generation, uh, Gen Z, millennials. And we do that by creating uh, branded virtual goods and placing them inside video games so that user can actually buy them, use them. Um, and then we can also program these virtual goods to incentivize um, spending on the physical products as well as consumer loyalty to increase customer lifetime value and reduce churn. So it's a, it's a new consumer engagement platform mm. and we're partnering with IBM Blockchain for that. So it's very exciting, uh, very exciting opportunity. And so tell me, how are you using the, the blockchain in Blockstar? Yeah, sure. So we were using, uh, we created the first non-fungible technology. Okay. Uh, it was first created by Dapper Labs um, a year and a half ago for CryptoKitties. Um, we, and had, we had one of the guys from CryptoKitties yeah, earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very cool guys. I think they created something very, very great. Yeah. Um, and so we, we realized that, you know, it was, a, it was a great idea in terms of the, the technology they developed, like that is capable to create digital scarcity. Um, and, and we saw that an opportunity to kind of create a new dimension of commerce for consumer brands, right? A new engagement model for consumer brands to buy unique assets. Uh, think about Nike, a, a virtual shoe that you can use to dress your avatar. Um, and that shoe can actually be smart, can be programmed uh, to incentivize the buyer to stay loyal to the brand and to kind of have an, a different engage, a new engagement experience with the brand itself for a more direct connection. Um, and as talking to brands, big brands, we realize that they're currently struggling to connect with newer generations. Um, like Gen Z and Millennials. And most of these generations nowadays play video games or yes. spend time in digital worlds. And so we, we realized it was a big opportunity and we created the first NFT on IBM blockchain, okay. Hyperledger. And so it's a, think of it as a scar scarcity engine. Uh, it's capable to basically assign a unique identifier to a good, virtual goods, uh, and it cannot be copied. So right. that's that's it. Fantastic. Um, and so what do you see are the major challenges in scaling the blockchain? Because this is obviously the big obstacle um, that most people hit. Yeah, sure. It's a great question. I think scalability is in the mind of a lot of people. Um, um, I, I think that uh, what's lacking is the infrastructure. Okay. And um, if you think about the, the scaling for the internet, it didn't necessarily came from, um, you know, the adoption. The adoption came as a function of the infrastructure. Not a lot of people wanted to put their credit card information because um, it wasn't safe until we had uh, the SSL protocol that was enacted. So the little uh, 
you know, golden yeah. knob at the very bottom of every website. Um, so that's that's what enable uh, the scalability. So for me, I mean, there are three things that come before scalability that will enable eventually the scalability. Number one is security. Okay. So if you're familiar with uh, uh, the Maslow hierarchy of needs, yes. right? The seven the seven steps. Yes. The first is security. Yeah. Uh, if people feel safe, they're not going to get killed tomorrow. Yeah. Right? They're going to start engaging with the system. Um, and that's what it is for most people is that, you know, if they keep hearing about, you know, exchanges getting hacked and here and there, they're not going to pay attention to it. And once you have a once you have a security protocol layer that covers A to Z, right, from exchanges to wallets all the way down to uh, protocols, you start thinking about uh, um, you start thinking about um, stability, right? And stability is very important in the sense that if you start if you want to start spending crypto cryptocurrencies, uh, you need to do so in a way that is actually economical. Meaning, you can't pay a, a frappuccino with Bitcoin today for five dollars, yes. and tomorrow is fifty dollars, right? Yeah. So you need to be able to kind of have a layer that allows for stability, so you can actually make the purchases for everyday lives. Yeah. Once you have safety, security, and that you have stability. Uh, you'll now get a, a mass market uh, interest and adoption from the masses. Okay. And that's when, when scalability will become important and there's going to be a lot more money put into the, into the matter. Um, right. So. Okay. That's really clear. Thanks for that explanation. Sure. <laughs> and you've also um, applied, told me about the antidotes, so that's great. <laughs> Look, I'm really looking forward to the panel. I think it'll be fantastic. Some great talent on it tonight. Sure, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Hi, Rosario. Thanks so much for coming. It's such a delight to meet you, finally. Um, I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about what you guys do at OTC. Yeah, sure. So our core value proposition uh, is really the elimination of trading counterparty and settlement risk. Um, so uh, what that means, uh, we basically have built a multi-custodial blockchain network uh, where clients can hold assets at a custodian of their choice on our network. Um, they can then tokenize, the custodian can tokenize those assets onto custodial blockchain ledgers. Once they have done that, those assets are then freely tradable with anybody else on the network with no counterparty or settlement risk. So we do all of the, the clearing and settlement in real time against those provable assets on those custodial ledgers. Um, there's been a little controversy um, over the last year or so about a lot of the exchanges, and I've had great issues earlier in the year trying to get um, speakers to come in from the exchanges to, you know, try and um, make people feel more confident about, you know, some of the weird stuff that was happening, but no one would come in. Um, how do you feel about that? It, uh, obviously, it's like new industry and uh, we're having to like, you know, get a, sort of a stronger foundation. Yeah, I mean, the, the bottom line is we're catering towards the real institutional market, people that are fiduciaries that manage other people's money. Okay. Uh, they simply cannot trade off exchange the way that people do OTC block trades. They're interested in that liquidity. They're interested in liquidity that's on the exchanges. Yeah. But similarly, they don't want to hold accounts directly on exchanges and be subject to hacking risk and jurisdictional and other types of risks. So the solution that, that we've created essentially allows them to access that liquidity without having them as a counterparty and without having any assets up at those exchanges. That's fabulous. Well, I wish I'd had you earlier in the year. <laughs> so tell me, um, what do you see are the major uh, concerns around scaling the blockchain? Well, I mean, it's it's an ongoing, uh, never-ending debate, and, and there's some really interesting um, solutions that 
people are you know, bringing to market. I mean, we're um, one of the lead investors in Algorand uh, is an investor in OTCXN, and, and they have a quite interesting solution as far as public ledger systems go. Right. We we take a very uh, specific view. It's a it's purely a capital markets institutional capital markets trading point of view. So we don't believe really that any public ledger system will be suitable for handling the you know the entire secondary market trading lifecycle as uh, is required by institutional real institutional traders. And so we we think really the only solution is to do what we've done, which is create sort of a layer two, layer three uh, network that allows you to do those transactions on chain with provability and all that good stuff, but use the public ledger systems as a final settlement layer. So we don't we don't we're not in that debate too much because we, we just don't see them getting there. Um, because you're not relying totally on the blockchain, in other words, you've got other um, structures that will support any um, problems that the blockchain may have. Yeah, well, it's basically private permission blockchain where everybody's co-located in a, you know, in an Equinix data center and, you know, at the kind of tolerances that people require for high frequency trading, uh, but still with, with all the benefits uh, of blockchain except the total decentralization that you have with, uh, with a public ledger. Great, fantastic. Um, and so in the future, just generally, obviously you guys have worked out a great solution. Um, generally around um, these, the issues that people are hitting around the blockchain, do you see any sort of possible workarounds or solutions? I mean, there are other layer two type solutions. There's, there's projects like Lightning Network and, and Arwin. The, but there are really, when you think about it from a, from a capital markets trading point of view, there are sort of fatal flaws with everything that we've looked at so uh, far to date that would make them unsuitable and they're very difficult to integrate into the, the whole trading life cycle that uh, has to fit with the rest of the world. Um, you know, so I, I think where the speed ups that we're going to get in the future on public ledger, I think they will be um, quite significant, but I think it'll be more applicable to... Uh, payments type use case where where you don't have to deterministically have some number of milliseconds you know that you can reliably get a transaction done. And and would you believe that the blockchain is going to like fix all everything? Because <laughs> I remember when I I had a um, blockchain panel in um, I've I've been following it. <coughs> Excuse me since 2008 um, but um, I had a panel at the end of 2016 and uh, I, I think we were, had a joke about the blockchain was going to fix everything. <laughs> yeah yeah there has been uh, there has been a lot of jokes about that but I, I do I do think it is far-reaching um, I mean just simple things like identity simple things like or seemingly simple things like banking the unbanked um, you know, uh, and you know, I mean, you look at the state of affairs. I mean, how do you trust, you know, any government, any any large institution? I mean, look at the thing that just happened in Mexico with the bank down there. I mean, it's uh, you know, there, there's definitely a place for it that's going to touch the lives of everybody. I would say over the coming years. Mm. Right. Well, I, and I guess we'll see how it can develop as well. That's what's so interesting to be part of the the start of all of this. Thank you so much, and I think it's going to be a great panel. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Welcome, Locke. Lovely to see you this time. So glad you made it. Damn those San Francisco airport planes that they wouldn't <laughs> let you through last time. Right? <laughs> yeah, they had the uh, runways closed for construction oh, uh, okay. with no forewarning. So, oh, Don't you love it? Really? <laughs> <laughs> so um, tell me what you guys do at NUID. Sure. So at NUID, we uh, really were a key management company 
that provides what we call the modern login box. Okay. So it is a uh, SaaS uh, software company that completely offloads a login uh, for companies. So we make it such that companies no longer ever have to see, store, and therefore secure user authentication and login data. Mm. And so we're effectively returning data ownership to the individual uh, and eliminating the risk of a password breach um, or, or a data breach at a company. Wow, because there's so many of them every day. There's more massive, uh, incredible every day, actually. It is, you see more and more every day. And you know, while it's a bummer to see, <laughs> it excites us a little bit because uh, it's the solution. Right, exactly. That's the idea. And, you know, people don't quite realize, but most all uh, breaches of companies, um, no matter what data it is being breached, actually is the result of a compromised credential, a user login. Um, so say a system admin or uh, a CTO, right, uses the same password to uh, log into their systems at a company as they did, say, on LinkedIn. Uh, well, LinkedIn was breached, therefore that password has been compromised and it gives attackers a very easy way in. And so we're eliminating uh, the need for companies to ever actually store passwords uh, and other authentication data so that there's, you know, with nothing to store, there's nothing to steal. And do you use the blockchain in this process? So uh, we do use the blockchain um, and we use it in a kind of small piece of our solution, okay. which is immutably storing um, what we call a public parameter of a zero knowledge proof, uh, which allows effectively an individual to prove they know some secret, like a password, without ever actually having to reveal that password or secret. Oh, and so, I mean, it's actually, it's kind of an oxymoron um, yeah. to, uh, you know, share a secret, right? So in today's paradigm, when you register an account, you know, on some website, you're giving them <laughs> your secret. Um, and so tell me what you think, um, uh, from your personal perspective, are the issues around uh, scaling the blockchain, sorry. <laughs> sure. So, you know, there's obviously technical issues, right, in scaling the blockchain, and that is being debated and addressed by any number of communities, whether that's increasing the block size or throughput, et cetera. But uh, what, what, we, what I really focus on is, um, you know, how to provide an infrastructure to allow real use cases uh, and real world applications to actually utilize the blockchain. Because right now we're really seeing uh, the main, you know, use case uh, as cryptocurrency, yes. which is a lot of people speculating at the yeah. end of the day, right? Yeah. And uh, so what we're doing at New ID is really building a uh, foundation for, you know, identity and key management um, to allow real world applications um, that use the blockchain to better exist. For example, uh, you know, digitizing equities or real estate titles, right? Well, with current uh, implementations of the blockchain, you have you know a public and private key, and imagine you just have you know a, a wallet on your computer, um, and a token that represents you know some some asset is in that wallet, and the computer blows up, right? Well, that token is then gone, irrecoverable in a lot of circumstances, and that just 
fundamentally does not work for equities or asset ownership, right? So you need um, some way to actually associate uh, those assets with an individual as opposed to just a device, right? And so at New ID, we're focused on um, the authentication layer. Okay. Uh, and we call it trustless authentication for trusted identity. Uh, and so the what we really need is an infrastructure and a foundation to allow all these exciting projects that people are working on um, that require the blockchain to be able to actually reference individuals as an identity or an entity as an identity. Uh, and so that's that's a that's a big thing that we think about. Well, that's a lovely pragmatic um, um, answer <laughs> because really in the end, uh, it's got to work <laughs> right. and it's got to make life better for everyone that uses it. So um, I think it that- It shouldn't just be the next, you know, uh, tulip bulb <laughs> exactly. extravaganza, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. So um, I think that you guys are on the right track and I look forward to hearing more about what you get up to with New ID. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. So, yeah, I mean, I'm happy to talk about that now or uh, should we wait for the panel? <laughs> Maybe wait for the panel and, and I'm looking forward to that. That should be great. Great. Wonderful. Well, thanks, Pimo. I'm okay. excited to be here. Thank you.